Hey everyone, welcome back to the Your Money, Your Life podcast. We are in episode 39, actually, episode 39. Appreciate you all for listening. If you are listening, wherever you're listening, of course you're listening. But wherever you are listening, please five-star rate, subscribe to the podcast on all platforms, all DSPs. Uh, please, yeah, support the podcast. I appreciate all y'all. We I had someone message me saying that they listen every week. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, I'm hoping everyone's getting great content from it. We have a big slate of news this week. Lots of things going on. I'll break it down. I'll discuss. We have our finance roundtable. I'm going to skip around because there's so many topics I wanted to touch on in the finance roundtable this week. So important. And then lastly, I'll talk about what's been going on with me, what I'm binging on, what I'm going to be seeing. So yes, I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Let's kick it off right now. What's in the news this week? Heavy slate. Heavy slate, folks. Ren got my coffee and started browsing some areas where I get the news. And there was a heavy slate of news this week. So we got to break it down. But let's start with our market update for this week. So um, I haven't looked at the futures this morning, but throughout the week, uh, it's been a whipsaw action. You're seeing uh, the market's trying to figure out when the stim package is coming through. And the markets or investors are really waiting for that. Uh, so you're seeing a little bit of volatility based on the stimulus package. Again, our leaders, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, she's optimistic. She says she's optimistic about the prospect of an agreement uh, with President Trump and Senate GOP leader Mitch McConnell. Uh, they're trying to get the stimulus, hopefully to get the stimulus done. R- right now, McConnell has previously expe- expressed little, little desire to back a large stimulus, preferring to roll out a $500 billion skinny. It's funny that they said $500 skinny, but that's that that's true. And we're talking about 400 million Americans and people that need help. Um, Senate GOP failed to advance their $500 billion relief package after Democrats voted against the bill. The Democrats want a much higher. They originally had a tag on the stimulus package of $2.3 trillion, I believe, um, and they're trying to meet somewhere in the middle. Um, so the skinny bill hasn't gone through. So, yeah, there needs to be a deal done. There's less optimism that we'll get it done before the election now just because there's been so much back and forth. Uh, you're seeing back and forth between both sides, but – um, the markets are waiting on that. So that's what you're seeing in, in when it comes to the market um, volatility. Uh, but we, again, for long-term investors, my clients are well-positioned to to handle this. So that's a good, that's something to watch out for when you're talking about the long, uh, the market for this past week. Let's jump into business news and current events. Snap, Snapchat surged 31% after the social media company reported a surprise quarterly profit led by a jump in user growth. That's quite interesting. Weedbush Securities suggested the growth is likely to continue. So this research firm, Weedbush Securities, suggested the growth is likely to continue. Snap didn't provide any guidance, but management did note that revenue grew between 47 and 50%. Wow, that's pretty impressive. Um, Daily average users, approximately 257 million versus prior estimate of 255. So Snap is seeing growth. um, And I didn't dig into exactly what there is, but I think a lot of it, what I saw from comments from management was that they're seeing, you know, one, increase in engagement and growth, increase in advertising because other, you know, places are not being able to, people are pausing advertising on other platforms. I think they're starting to shift towards Snap. I have no clue why I actually have a Snap. Uh, I use it the same way I use a lot of my other platforms, but um, I'm curious on why. 
I, if you, people are out there, my listeners, you have some you know, younger listeners and sense, uh, why, why are people jumping back on Snap? Is there anything special going on there? They redid the user interface, so I think that might play a role in making it easier. I remember when all the big-time celebrities, like I think Kylie Jenner and, and Rihanna, and a lot of people said they weren't going on Snap. They lost a lot of um, juice there, but it seems like the younger people are back on it and back snapping and doing whatever. So that's pretty cool uh, for them, in a sense. Um, again, obviously, these are not endorsements to any of these securities. As a general disclaimer, do your own research, which some people will get to later in the roundtable. Don't actually do research. They use hope for their investment strategy. <laughs> Um, so yeah, that's, uh, interesting. Let's talk no more earnings. It was a big earnings week, Netflix. Um, and I actually was on the earnings call and listening, or I watched the earnings call. They always post it on YouTube with just one analyst asking questions. Uh, but Netflix, you know, fell 6% after the social media company, uh, profit and subscriber both fell short of their own estimates and wall street estimates. Um, it was, you know, mainly driven, I think, by you know, pull forward. They had a huge increase in Q two, uh, with everyone sitting at home and binging um, everything. So Netflix had a huge increase. Their numbers were eye popping. They're still on the year. They're still going to hit, you know, probably their biggest year um, as far as subscriber growth uh, ever. And this quarter was just a lot lower, smaller, lower because of pull forward. They had brought in so many people during the height of the pandemic that they even estimated it was only going to be a two point five that they estimated and they came in around 2.2 million uh, new subscribers for the quarter, uh, which is again, slightly above below their estimation. So the markets were like, okay, we've, but the stock's still up great amount uh, year to date. So it's again, for a long-term perspective, we know what Netflix brings to the table. This is interesting stock to keep your eyes on, but um, I was on the call and listening to, they have such great stuff when it comes to um, the content that's coming out. I'm going to talk about one new show that I watch, but yeah, they, they have all their 2021. They, they noted in the shareholder note that their 2021 slate uh, of content, original content is still, is already there and ready to go. They're going to have quarter over quarter increase in new original content from in 2021. So uh, that's very, very interesting that they brought that to the table. So uh, that's something to watch with Netflix Next up, PayPal. So PayPal actually announced yesterday it would let users buy and hold, buy, hold, and sell cryptocurrency directly from their PayPal account. So if you PayPal users out there, you can now use buy, sell, and hold cryptocurrency directly from your PayPal accounts. Why does this matter? PayPal isn't allowed, PayPal isn't the first to allow crypto transactions. Uh, Robinhood and Square have been doing it, but PayPal. It's pretty huge. I guess it has over 346 million active accounts worldwide. It processes 222 billion payments in just the last quarter. Uh, retailers use PayPal. So if you're able to use cryptocurrency transactions through PayPal, that's a big, you know, one of the big things for the crypto and all these crypto crazies, I like to call them, <laughs> is that uh, the crypto crazies just want mass adoption. They want mass adoption with cryptocurrency. And that's will help drive, you know, the different price and then mass adoption helps drive what um, the prices. Um, and so when they're seeing more mass adoption from mainstream retailers, mainstream fintech companies, um, that is helpful for the cryptocurrency ecosystem as a whole. And, and so that is something to watch out for. So PayPal jumping on board is quite interesting. And it's even more interesting that the Fed, uh, excuse me, Jerome Powell, the Fed chair, said that the U.S. is is keen or open to creating a digital bank currency. So, you know, back when crypto was in, it was first came out, what, like as far as got, went mainstream, what I call it, four or five years ago, 
the U.S. government, powers to be, the old guard, the banks, the dinosaurs were all like, no, no, we're not a part of this. Now they're all adopting it because they know they can't stop it. Cryptocurrency, in a sense, is going to be around. It's going to have some place in currency. It's going to have some place in the future. We just don't know what that is or how big or what slice of the pie they're going to have. But it's going to have some piece of the pie. And the old guard is realizing that and the dinosaurs are now realizing that they need to uh, play nice and try to figure out a way that it can work. And so that's something that's quite interesting to keep your eyes on for the crypto crazies out there. Um, you guys are really crazy. <laughs> Quibi, Quibi. I don't know if you remember, like a few weeks ago, I talked shortly about Quibi. I just did not like the prospects. I was like not seeing any traction about it, not seeing the people that needed to talk about it, talking about it. If you look on social media, I don't think there's one teen, teeny bopper or whatever, these younger people that are talking about Quibi. I don't even think they know what it is. And they just announced that they're shutting down. Quibi had 1.8 billion in funding. Uh, again, it was led by CEO Meg Whitman, who it used to be like she's been out all to CEO at different companies. Yahoo, I think was the most, uh, Yahoo, and I, I'm missing other big ones, but um, yeah, they shut down. They it was a short form video like platform. Uh, they tried to make it like really short, quick movies like 10 15 minutes or shows or movies and yeah it didn't take to i i said again i was you know harsher maybe not even harsh i just said like i didn't think the people leading it really were in touch with what was on the ground it showed like no one that would would be their target audience even probably even knew what quibi was i didn't even know if the management team the ceo even knew how did she even know how to download the app to, to use it who knows um that's yeah they, did, they didn't know what they were doing they took one billion in funding 1.8 billion in funding and squandered it. And it's going back out to investors for whatever they could do. They're selling the rest of the assets. So Quibi is, Quibi was rather short, pun intended. Yeah. All right, folks, let's move on to our next segment, which is Google. Google got hit with a big tech anti-monopoly lawsuit biggest since the 90s, uh, the Justice Department filed an antitrust lawsuit against Google this past week. Uh, the investigation started a while ago, more than a year ago. The Department of Justice claims Google uses anti-competitive tactics to keep its search biz monopoly. It's the biggest U.S. legal challenge to a tech company since Microsoft in 1998. Uh, so Google controls 90% of global search. That's crazy. And 92% of smartphone search in the U.S., which researchers found um, Android. Google has agreed to make sure its preloaded search app can't be deleted. My phones. But, uh, yeah, it's just dominating the market share. Like, there's no other shit. There's no other searcher. Like, there's no other internet search platform that anyone uses, really. Like, it's dominating. I don't know what their, the lawsuit findings are, what they're focusing on. But it's going to be quite interesting how that shakes out. Um, that stock is it's going to be interesting to see what happens as far as like what people think going forward. So that's a really, really interesting take um, with Google. So we'll keep our eyes on that. Movie theaters. I was excited when I saw this first headline. It said movie theaters thrashed by the pandemic received some hope after New York Governor Andrew Cuomo announced, Cuomo announced that um, theaters can reopen. So in New York, but then I read further and it's just like New York state and it's not going to be in New York city just yet, but October 23rd, uh, New York will be allowed to have theaters open. So AMC, Cinemark, Marcus theaters, their stocks traded 
up on those days. But again, they've been crushed this past year. So do your own research on these things. Um, what is interesting is that, yeah, Cuomo said that, you know, New York City is closely behind her. Like, I shouldn't say hurry up. Well, when and when? <laughs> I actually want to see me. I don't have a date, but I, I still want to go. I'd sit by myself, maybe have a snack, watch something. I don't know. I'm kind of bored, chilling in the crib. Um, so where are we getting to the point where New York City will allow theaters? Because, I, yeah, I would love to do that. Um, but, yeah, they, they are now saying they're getting to that point. Uh, so we'll, we'll keep our eyes on that for myself and me being able to enjoy something. <laughs> Next up is Beijing. China uh, actually released some numbers for Q3. Um, and it was apparently impressive. Uh, they announced the economy, their economy grew 4.9% on an annualized basis for the quarter from spanning July to September. So it's everyone's saying it's impressive um, turnaround. Obviously, they're the epicenter of the base, the start of everything. And they seemingly have, you know, qualified everything and able to grow and allow people to, to get back to somewhat of a normal life. It's going differently over on that side of the country. Things are starting to get better for them and they've grown and they've seen their economy grow. So that's something to watch out for, the contrast of how people are handling it in different regions of the world because they seem to have uh, increased retail spending, demand for medical supplies and items. Uh, things have, have been pushed up and generated slightly from them from Q1 and Q2. So that's something to really watch out for. Um, and next up and final uh, news item. We got a lot of news this week. I told you all there would be a lot of news, but it's good. It's good stuff. Uh, I saw an, another interesting uh, headline that U.S. business applications went through the roof last quarter. So according to a new report from the Census Bureau, uh, COVID preneurs is what they're dubbing it, uh, filed more than 1.5 million applications for employer identification numbers. So if you don't know, employer identification numbers are EINs or for, you get these numbers similar to like a social security, but for a business, you get this number as uh, the government when you filed your, registered your business, your LLC, your S Corp, whatever. Um, and it's a huge increase, not just from Q2, but also a big increase from last year when there wasn't a pandemic. So in late September, business applications were past 3.2 million for 2020. At the same point in 2019, it was only 2.7 million applications filed. So it's just like people are like, all right, if I haven't don't have a job, not making money, I'm going to you know start a business, which I, we see the shift to people selling and, and doing business online now. It's, it's quite clear as day that... You know, there's also the big push of second form of income people and, and all this different stuff. So it's out there. Um, and if you or people out there, one, contact me if you need help with setup. Obviously, I, I do some great things when it comes to retirement plans for businesses. A lot of my great handful of clients that have able to provide uh, their business, their employees with uh, retirement plans and, and benefits for retention. So it's a great way to get that set up. So let me know if you or your business definitely needs help with that. Uh, it's a good, good way to retain strong talent within your business. Whew, that's a lot of news, folks. That's a lot of news that we just dissected. Um, it was fun, though. It's always fun. Uh, next up, we're doing the finance roundtable. So stay tuned in. Hey, everyone, gather around the roundtable. Let's discuss. Um, this week, I'm going to jump around because a lot, so many topics that I need to touch on, that I want to touch on, that I feel like need to be heard. 
first and foremost, I sent out a tweet slash post on my story about a um a, a, a situation. I wouldn't call it a situation, but when I was you know younger, I'm still young now, but early twenties, talking really fresh out of college. I was looking at different areas. Um, obviously, I loved finance, and I was like, "Man, I love finance!" I'm like, I was so gung ho on all the different things I read. And I was like, "Let me, um, you know, possibly look into this business." And obviously, hear all about these old dinosaur firms like the Edward Jones, these these old out of touch places. Um, and I was in Des Moines, Iowa at the time. I don't know if anyone you've been to the Midwest, let alone Des Moines, Iowa. Um, it's quite interesting place. It's fun in the sense that it's less diverse, what have you. It's just very, people are nice there. People are very nice there. Uh, but it's just a different area um, than the New York where I live now. And yeah, I had a conversation with the recruiter from Edward Jones. And I posted about this. Um, like literally, I was like, man, I really think I could help people. I want to help people. I want to get people on this wave that I'm on, which is like really financial dependence, helping people, you know, think longer term and manage their portfolios correctly, which is what I do. Um, and yeah, and I had this conversation with this recruiter. He was actually an advisor. The way they do it in, the, in these dinosaur firms, like the advisors that are in the game will like bring you on um, or whatever, have you in your own. And that's one thing to know. My firm, New Street, is 100% independent. I don't work for anyone. I don't work for Schwab, anybody. New Street, we're on a new wave. It's 100% independent. That's why I'm able to do what I do. Uh, but so back to the point, this guy, we had a conversation about being advised. We talked about the normal cat coffee chat interview stuff. Like, oh, how does it go? How do you do it? And he did make a comment that I'll never, never forget. And I posted on my, on my t- Twitter and uh, on my social media, he literally told me, you know, what he said, what we look for and what, what we prospects and for people that we want to work with, they tell us to look for blue eyed and gray haired people. And it didn't hit me then as, as much as it hit me now. I was just thinking about it. I was like, man, I was just like, so they really just don't care to help anyone else. Like really. Um, and these dinosaur firms, these old guard, they're, they're, they're crap, to be honest. And that's how I feel. Um, if you work with any, if you have advice with them, you're honestly, you know, you're missing out on what, what is good for you. Um, and that's why I started my firm. I'm able to help people. They don't have to be blue. They don't have to be white. There are a lot of people that are white in my clientele. A lot of people are Latino, black, there's whatever race. I don't care. But I want to help people that really want that. Um, and these firms that don't want to do that, they just want to help certain people. They just want to keep everything in, in their own, you know, house. And there's so many people that I've helped that didn't even know anything about a lot of the things that we're, we're going through and helping them with and, and setting them up with that had no clue prior to. And these firms that people, you know, you talk to these firms, you look to them, that they don't care to help you. <laughs> you got to understand that you really do. You really need to understand that. Um, again, I'm here to overturn these tables. These dinosaurs are done. They truly are, um, and I, I appreciate all everybody that realized that. I had a lot of people messaging me when they saw the post, but you know I can go more into this, and I probably will at one point. But the true statement: he said he, they only look for blue-eyed and gray-haired people. If you we parse that out, it just means he looks for white people and older people because uh, that's who we all he thinks have assets that are worth his time. Um, and that's what Edward Jones and um, all these other firms you call them all of them. You can call out Morgan Stanley, Edward Jones. What are the other ones? Principal, they're all crap. Um, and the people that work, they're all crap. They're no good. I've seen their portfolios. They're not any good. Um, yeah, you know, they're that's but that's all they care about. So if you're, you know, hearing this, I understand New Street, 
my firm works with people of all ages, all genders, orientations, races. I've never turned down a meeting for people, someone that just has questions. I ask, I've never, I'm, I'm a very good at just having a conversation with people. There's no, never, New Street will never turn down people that have questions that want to and see if it makes sense to work with each other, but it usually does. And that's the way I started my firm, New Street. We're, we're breaking away this old dinosaur way of what Wall Street's traditionally done, and we're not doing that anymore. But yeah, that's just stuck in my mind. I was thinking about that when I was having this week. I was like, I had to get that out there. But I did just, it just came across my mind. I had to let them know. So if you saw that, um, that's the story, the background story of that. But there's more. There's more that I'll reveal later from these dinosaur archaic firms that are, that are they're really done. Um, but let's switch to a lighter tone for you all people. Um, custodial and 529 accounts. I've had... A lot of questions about that. Clients are setting them up, whether it's custodial uh, uniform gift to minor accounts or uh, whether it's um, 529 plans or for yourself or for your kids. Let's talk about the breakdowns of ways, tax advantage ways you can save for qualified education expenses or save for just you know people for the future. There's different options. You have the, the 529 education savings plans, the state-sponsored education saving programs that allows individuals, regardless of their income or state residency, to set aside assets in a tax-deferred account to pay for student expenses. There's also the education savings account, an ESA, sometimes called Coverdell account, this is a savings plan to set up and be managed by a parent or other adult for the benefit of the minor. It's kind of like the 529, but these tax-deferred accounts allow individuals to pay for students' expenses but have lower contribution limits than the 529. Then you have the custodial account. While it's not explicitly an education savings vehicle, a custodial account can be used to support education funding goals. The account is established under the Uniforms Gifts to Minors Act. It's like UGMA, or they like to call it, or the Uniform Transfers to Minors Act, the UTMA. It's a gift that's passed on to a kid. You are able to put money in an account and pass it on to the kid. So when you compare these options, the primary goal for the 529 um, is saving for elementary kid expenses. Ed Coverdale, same thing. But the custodial account is safe for a broad set of goals. That's why I like it. If you're going to ask me my recommendation, I like the custodial, the UGMA, the UTMA account, because you can save for a broader set of goals. It doesn't directly have to be used for elementary education or higher education or any of these things. Tax advantages. Yes, the 529 has tax-deferred growth potential and tax-free qualified withdrawals based on if you're using it for what they want you to use it for. The educational savings account, the Coverdell, has tax-deferred growth and does have tax-free qualified withdrawals if you're using it for what it's supposed to be used for. The Agma and Utma has potential to grow tax at special rates, but it's potential to grow, it will be taxed at special rates, but it has obviously potential to grow at this, uh, and get to be taxed at special rates. Contribution limits for these, 529, 435,000 lifetime limit per beneficiary, education savings account, annual limit of 2,000, income limits apply, and then the Agma, the Utma, Uniform transfer, no limit, no limit. Um, investment options, let's go to that. So the, the 529, you have limited investment options. You have a choice of predefined asset allocation portfolios. Um, the education savings, Coverdale is open and the Utman Ugma are open as far as investment options. Um, so I just wanted to give you guys a breakdown on these. Um, there's more detail and I have actually have a nice graph that breaks down all these little 
um, you know, goals and options and, and really breaks these down in a great graph for you. So if you guys need that, please reach out to me. And one, let me know if you guys need this setup for your family, for yourself, um, for someone that you care about. I've done it for many of my clients. They've enjoyed it. They're saving, they're thinking long-term for whether it's niece, nephew, child, themselves. Uh, and that's something that we need to do and people don't realize that they can do. They're like, how do I save for you? You can do that. People that are smart are getting that set up ASAP for their own family. And that's a great way to do that um, now. So please let me know if you like to have a conversation. DM me. I'm always open. My DMs are always open. Um, so let me know if you need to have that conversation. And we certainly will have that conversation. Next up, I was tweeting. I was Twitter fingers. Drake, don't make a rap song about me, please. Um, I was Twitter fingers this week. And I talked about another thing because I had an interesting conversation. Um, but the levels of financial literacy, I was going to talk about that, like held back on talking about this or tweeting about this while, but I had a conversation this week that spurred me to really have to have a conversation again or to tweet it out and then have this conversation on the podcast. So there's definitely levels of financial literacy. It's funny. I've been, we've all been through them. Some start earlier than others, but we all have been through them. Mine, you know, and we'll talk about them. We'll break down. And I tweeted about it. It's like this, I was like broadly speaking and making fun of the first two, but it's true. The first one's like, you know, you first read a, a book that talks about like setting up your life and it's like, oh, you just budget and cut off all expenses. And level one is like, don't spend on anything. It's like cut off all expenses and you budget, then you'll, by the time you're dead, you'll be rich. And it's like, okay, <laughs> that's the stupidest advice I've heard. It's not the stupidest, but yes, everyone knows you need to budget and everyone knows you need to have cash flow at the end of the month, meaning spend less than you make. It's quite simple. You don't have to go through 20-day Ramsey courses to understand that. Uh, but yes, that's the first one. People are like, okay, they get to level one. They're gung-ho on that. But like, man, I'm not going to spend anything. Oh, you charge me a fee for a service? No, I will not be charged a fee for a service. They're, so they're all on this like whole don't pay for anything train because I think that's the way to wealth, but it's really not. It's just a way to get people in the mind frame of, okay, you have to understand cash flow, which is simple. You should spend money on things that make sense, whether it's a service or whether it's something you enjoy. If you want coffee in the morning, shouldn't feel bad about getting coffee as long as you know you're still hitting your goals in other areas and making sacrifices in other areas. So this whole train of, you know, they read a Dave Ramsey book or Susie Orman book, they're like, or that other book by that one guy that says he'll teach people to rich. You're not going to teach people to rich. You're teaching people to sacrifice stuff that you make seem important. It's sacrifice what you think is important for yourself. And understand that that's um, the template for people that want to retire, which is good at a certain time, right? So everyone should be able to retire at 65 or whatever. It's not like that difficult. If you follow simple steps, you should be able to. Again, and so that's what this thing is like, okay, you just never spend, but then you don't increase your income, but you just never spend on anything. Then you're going to be able to retire by the time you're 80 and old as shit. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And then people get to level two where it's like, oh, okay, wait. So I've saved up money and I have passed emergency fund. Like, oh, now it's investing. Like I'm going to get rich off investing. And then they like think that they're going to be rich off investing. So they hear a little bit on investing. They read a couple of books, they watch a couple of YouTube channels. Now they think they know everything about investing and they're going to trade and invest their way to wealth. Again, not a smart move. You're not going to trade. You're not going to invest your wealth. It was a funny conversation I had with someone that they were in all these group chats that they saw these people that were like posting and stuff, like all these <laughs> Forex and trading things. You're, these people with swing trading, they're not, they're posting stuff to get you into their groups, to have you buy for their op trading advice or whatever when they're 
not making like they're not if you look over any prolonged period of time of people trading if they were doing so well at trading why are they still trading if you have made enough money to not trade you wouldn't be risking your capital trading you'd just be sitting back but they're doing it because it's again soliciting people to get into buy into these things to pay the entry fee for things that is not sustainable you're not you're gonna yeah sure if you trade and get lucky on fees you'll get a couple lucky ones but then you'll have one that's really really bad that blows up your account that's why these people understand but this person they, they lure you in with these oh we made xyz or this um it's it's not a good strategy to start a trade or swing trade your way into too well you're not going to do that you don't know anyone that's done that if they did that they wouldn't still be trading they would just be relaxing and just putting their money in a, a longer term aspect horizon that none of them has done that um and so and the also thing the person mentioned like that they the strategy was hope like they were just looking for stocks that were under five bucks and oh we can buy these and hope that they go up to 20. that's not that's not a strategy and that does makes no sense it's because a stock has it's under five bucks it does not mean the company is good it does not mean that there's it's going to rise this volatility people are seeing it's based on like a lot of the robin hood trades and all these people just jumping in on things that are, again going to blow them up over any significant period of time on any day the market has a 50 50 percent of being up or down but that doesn't mean that the strategy was correct that doesn't mean that the the framework or the thought was correct hope is not a strategy for investing especially in these new times of these swing traders so Again, I have to slap around these these people because it's still still prevalent, um, especially when they bring it to me. I'm just going to rebut them because it doesn't make sense. All my clients are in diverse portfolios that are key, bold, and well for for periods of time that we're looking at when whatever account we're looking at. So again, keep your head on the swivel for this. And the third level of literacy, which I think is the one that I want everyone to get to, is you have to understand, we understand that life People work jobs they don't like, they're whatever, but the, the, the key or whatever is to get to a place where you're working in something that you're passionate about and you're getting reoccurring cash flow, reoccurring income, whether it's a salary, if you own a business, it's cash flow, it's it's the business income. You're getting reoccurring cash flow, something that you love and you're providing a service to a lot of people and it's reoccurring and that's what you use to invest over a long period of time, that cash flow in, in, in a different accounts and tax advantage accounts and investment accounts over a long period of time or other investing options. That is level three of literacy. So it's funny. It starts at level one. People like read a book, a simple book, like, oh man, so if you really just like budget and save, you'll be rich later. Okay. Then they get to level two. It's like, wait, you can actually invest? What does this mean? And they start going crazy on like trying to trade their way to wealth, which won't ever happen. And then they finally, hopefully, most people don't get to level three. They get stuck on level two or level one. Once they realize level two doesn't work, they just forget all about this stuff and they get discouraged. But level three is where you're like, all right, I need to create value in my life, whether it's through your job. You need to be a valuable person, whether it's through your job and you get promoted and get increased income and cash flow, keep expenses low enough where you have cash flow that's invested over time. And that's where you actually see the independence. It doesn't have, like that's where you actually see the real it is that's where you see the real financial independence is you find something you're passionate about. It could be your job, it could be your career, it could be your own business, you increase cash flow, you provide a service, you increase the value that you're providing to others, people or businesses. And that will increase your your income, which over time will be put in invest in, in invest in assets which over time grow. And I every all the time when I meet with prospective clients or my new clients or we're showing looking at an investment calculator that shows over time. We're not looking at a short horizon. People actually have to look at things in context, which is historical context or uh, investment calculator that shows what you can do with compound interest over time and years. We don't have to look at it in a 
one week period. We can look at it in a 10 year period, a 20 year period, a decades. If you're a younger person, if you're looking at the 65 year old framework, then you shouldn't be retiring until what, 30, 30, 35 years from now, which if you look at what a compound interest and, and saving over time does, that's where you're really seeing the actual value add from in a, a lot of investing, right? So I even have a, a graphic that I will, if you want this graphic, please let me know. Uh, but it's I've gone through this before in, in, in talks, but it's showing what happens. So if you're age 30 and you put away $550 per month at a 7% average hypothetical annual return, at age 30, if you just do that, $550 a month, I don't. that doesn't sound crazy to me. But if you do $555 a month and you're 30 years old, by the time you're 65, that'll be nearly $1 million. It'll be 990000 If you start doing that at age 35, it's 670000 And if you start doing that at age 40, by the time you're 65, it's 445000 And if you start doing that at the age 45, by the time you're... 65 is 285,000. So that's why like people starting early, being diligent and having a plan is much more beneficial for people um, than trying to do any of these other things. Like, and if you increase the savings amount, which five, again, 550, if you're creating value through your job, through your business and you increase the savings amount, then you're really hitting numbers that are faster and earlier, especially if you're starting earlier. If you increase the obviously the return amount based on having some of the expert manager strategy, that's possible to increase those numbers more. So that's where you're seeing the value add, and that's what this graphic and this should show you. The other ways of cutting expenses to zero but not making enough money is not going to do it. Trying to trade your way into quick wealth, not going to do it. This is the actual level three that I love for everyone to get to, and we all, you know, so hopefully people understand that because um, really it's all those other ways are just going to lead people down a way that they don't want to go, to be honest. But I thought it would be interesting to say that. So please let me know your thoughts, comments. Love to hear it. It's a longer roundtable this week because uh, I had a lot. Uh, but I hope you guys enjoyed some of these this information. And uh, let me know. Uh, feedback DMs are always open. Ooh, man, oh, man, you got a lot of me in the finance roundtable, a lot of me in the news section. Um, and I want to touch back something on the roundtable. Yeah, if you hear like a chip on my shoulder, I hope you do. I'm fighting every day for my clients. There's not one that won't tell you that I haven't gone above and beyond. Um, they would speak to what I do for them every day in the sense of you know, always being available, going above and beyond for different things we're doing that I obviously I can't go into direct detail, but generalities, making calls, emails, fighting for them, um, explaining things every day um, that I do for every single one. And there's not one that I wouldn't walking through things. Um, and the funny part of the dinosaurs that I talked to prior to even starting my firm told me this strategy, this wouldn't work. They thought that there is no market for people that are main streets, um, for people that typically aren't getting given this advice for people that if I talk, if you talk to someone that hasn't been given advice, you, you know why someone's not retired at 60 something years old. It's quite clear. They weren't helped and given this advice earlier. Um, and so you talk to these dinosaurs, the dinosaurs told me that it wouldn't work, that there wasn't a market for these people, that it wasn't helpful to these people, that I couldn't reach them, but the dinosaurs are, they're not, they're not clear. The old guard and the dinosaurs don't understand how social media works how you know people are are open to getting these strategies they're not shying away from 
getting expertise and help with their portfolios with everything that they need and that they realize they didn't realize that and so that's the another reason why the chip is there uh because I'm, I'm honestly doing this for people that really want to uh the help but enough of that folks what's going on with me this week um i what did i do this week oh um watched a good uh, emily in paris don't shame me for watching the show i thought it was good all right she came from Chicago. She went to Paris. It seems like a great city. I've heard the people were mean over there. Please, if you're French and you're listening, let me know. Will you be mad at me because I can't speak French? I took two years in high school, but I don't remember anything. My high school French teacher took away my cell phone because I had it out and I was playing like a snake game and she took it away. And But that's all I remember from my French class. I don't remember the words, um, but I want to go there now because it looks great. It looks wonderful. Emily Paris on Netflix. It's a good series. Uh, what else did I do this week? There's football games. Obviously, the NFL is going on. Um, there was it was a good a good week. We had a debate tonight. It's Thursday. You're watching or listening to this on the 22nd. I believe there's a debate tonight. Um, and yeah, there's it's been a quieter week. I'm trying to think. I'm I'm on fast money tomorrow. So I did trading nation uh, again. If you watching the CNBC stuff, be regularly going going on there so check the check the website search my name try to check the videos i always do the trading nation sorter segments um shout out to the people over at cnbc and then this tomorrow which will be the 23rd i'll be on fast money show uh which is 5 p.m sharp 5 p.m eastern sharp fast money it's gonna be good so i'll be doing cnbc um regularly so you know tap into those tap into those videos and then really just stay tuned to that but yeah this has been great man i hope everyone had a great week episode 39 fun as usual keep listening let me know how you're thinking and have a great weekend everyone